What if? What if is the title of a Marvel comic series and Disney Plus television show about what would happen if things went different in the various Marvel stories in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or in the Marvel Comic Universe? What if instead of Steve Rogers receiving the Super Soldier Serum and becoming Captain, Captain America, the scenario on Injection Day didn't play out as planned and instead Agent Carter received the serum and she somehow became some sort of Captain Canada or something like that. What if Chala of Wakanda, Wakanda forever, who was destined to become the Black Panther, was mistaken for Peter Quill by his dad Ego and Chala instead became Star-Lord and Peter Quill then took a job at Dairy Queen. That's how it goes in the show. What if? What if, some of you are thinking, we had a pastor who referenced more meaningful things like poems and plays and musicals and even actual historic events that make sense to us instead of less meaningless, fantastical Marvel movies and television shows that don't. What if? What if things were different? It can be fun to play that game. What if? What if things were different in different ways? What if you were stranded on a desert island? Uh, someone once asked me on a date in college when the conversation came to a lull, and you could only have one book not the Bible, or one kind of food, obviously nachos, or one piece of music, and I'll leave you guessing as to what that might be. What if you could only have one of those things there with you? What would they be? It can be fun and interesting to ask these kinds of things. What if? It can also be sobering and unsettling as well. What would it take for you to leave that job that you love? What if that thing were to happen? What is the threshold for you holding on to that duty, to that relationship, to that conviction, to that commitment that you hold deeply and lovingly? What would have to happen for you to change your mind and walk away from that, or at least reevaluate it? Is it possible that that could happen? If it did, what would you do? What would you do? The passage we heard a moment ago from John chapter 6 presses us to ponder such a question in our relationship with Jesus. In verse 62, as people are grumbling over something Jesus has said, he responds, that upset you? Hmm. Well, what if I did this then? What would you do then? What if Jesus did or didn't do something that challenged your assumptions about what Jesus does or doesn't do in a given situation? What would you do then? What if Jesus is different than you think Him to be by the way He is? If there is a scenario in which you can imagine yourself getting angry with Jesus, what is that? Is there a scenario where you could imagine yourself disagreeing with Jesus? Is there a scenario where you could imagine yourself getting disappointed with Jesus? Can you imagine that? Has Jesus ever disappointed you? 
Is there a scenario in which you could imagine yourself, because of something like that, walking away from Jesus? What if that scenario happened? It happens here. And Jesus knew it would happen here. We're actually set up for this happening at the beginning of the Gospel where John says, in the beginning was the Word, the creative force behind all of creation, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then Jesus goes on to say, He was in the world, or John does, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, or of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, and apparently you're supposed to eat and drink that. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Or to put it more plainly, the one for whom and by whom all things were made became the flesh and blood Jesus of Nazareth and decided to live among us. And of course, when this happened, Jesus knew what would happen. This. When truth incarnate walks around among us, it will begin to bump into what Stephen Colbert once called truthiness. A word that the American Dialectic Society named the word of the year in 2005. It's in the dictionary. The dictionary definition of truthiness is the quality of seeming or being felt to be true even if it is not necessarily true. And there was just as much truthiness masquerading as truth in Jesus' day as there is in our own. And this is what can happen when truth bumps into truthiness. It exposes it. And it causes us to reevaluate our opinion about something or maybe something that is sort of a, a shadow of truth. And we begin to see it in a, in a fuller light with deeper meaning and more complexity and nuance. Truth is often like that. Politicians get elected by speaking in binary terms. Things are either this way or they're that way. But the actual truth or the actual answer in a given situation is almost never like that. It's almost always more complex. And the actual answer to a given question or situation almost always requires more nuance. That's just the way life and truth is. And so it's not hard to imagine that when truth personified, Jesus... When the most real thing in reality starts walking around among us, he's going to stir some things up with those who aren't with him, with those who don't agree with him for sure, but even with those who do and who are, with those who seem to have done what we all say we have done, given our lives to him. What would it take for you to either walk away from Jesus or to reconsider your analysis of what Jesus wants or thinks or does in the world? Is there a threshold for you like there was for them? 
And do you know what that threshold is? I think it's important for us to know what that threshold is. What's your threshold with Jesus? For them, it was maybe theology or social norms or even something that we might call the yuck factor. Jesus says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And thousands and thousands of people following him at that time said, yuck. And they got offended. And they walked away. Are you offended then, Jesus asks? These people had seen and experienced Jesus doing and saying a lot of really powerful and revealing things. You heard it in the story. And they followed him for that, and they enjoyed, enjoyed the warm fuzzies of that. And they wanted more. More warm fuzzies. But at some point, more of Jesus became much more uncomfortable than they were willing to bear. At some point, more of Jesus became even offensive. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Have you ever been offended by Jesus? What did you do when you were offended by Jesus? What would you do if you were offended by Jesus? What might keep you from following Him? Or why would you continue to follow Him in the face of a challenge like that? There's a poignant moment in the movie The Matrix. I know that's a classic now, but I like it. When Neo is, not the sequels, but when Neo is beginning to discover the world is more complex than he ever imagined. And Morpheus, the one who is showing him all these things, decides at a certain point to give him a choice. Does he want to go any further? Take the blue pill or the red pill. And this is not a political metaphor. You can take the blue pill or the red pill. If you take the blue pill, he says, you'll go to sleep, wake up, and all this will seem like it was a dream. You can go back to life as usual, believing whatever you want to believe that makes you comfortable. Or, he says, you can take the red pill and I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And this is essentially what is happening when Jesus invites us to give our life to him. There will be points along the way when we want to stop. There will be points along the way when we want to stop, to stop growing in our knowing and in our experience with God because of what we see ahead. We'd rather not know that. We'd rather just not be that kind of uncomfortable. We'd rather just turn away than have to follow Jesus there. And what I hope is that and pray, really, is that we will resist that urge. For so many reasons, but one that has been particularly heavy on my heart for years is the number of people that I know in this community and beyond it whose framework for faith will not stand up to reality. It won't stand up to the test of reality. You may find yourself in that situation. If this happens, if I don't get what I want here, if someone I love struggles or suffers, if a thing doesn't turn out the way I wished it would or prayed it would, then God must not be real or worthy of my time. 
We struggle with this often as people of a faith whose very center is about suffering. Whose heroes suffered and struggled all the time. And yet, this somehow at some point is the framework for faith that we were given. And in the face of the challenges of real life, that kind of framework, when challenged, begins to fall apart. And it should fall apart. But what so often happens is, is there's nothing that regrows or is rebuilt in its place. And what I'd love to happen is when that thing begins to fall apart for you, if a new, more robust faith would grow in its place instead. Hear this. Jesus is different than you currently perceive Him to be. That's true for every single person here right now. Jesus is currently different than you currently perceive Him to be in some respect. He is more nuanced, more complex, more loving, more confrontational, more challenging. A deep relationship with Jesus will be good over the long haul and also will not be easy. Most truly good things are like that. Enjoy the warm fuzzies when they come. But don't make the warm fuzzies the foundation or the measure of your relationship with the living God. Because if you do, the most you can ever hope for in your relationship with Jesus is truthiness. Which is really all we're dabbling in anyway. The moment Jesus revealed something about himself that didn't square with what they wanted him to be, or how they wanted him to be, they walked away. What would it take for you to walk away from Jesus? How many of us have already functionally done that? How many of us, or how many people do you know who've already functionally done that? We, we're here, but we, functionally we've walked away. What would it take for you to walk away from Jesus? Probably all of us at some point will experience moments like this. And my hope and my prayer is that when we do, we'll find ourselves in a place like Peter found himself in the midst of this story. Thousands and thousands of people are following Jesus for all kinds of, of reasons, and then he says this thing that makes them uncomfortable, and thousands of thousands of people begin to leave, and then he perhaps coyly Coyly turns to the twelve and says, so what about you? You going to leave too? And Peter responds, Lord, where else could we go? For you have the words of eternal life. We're not done yet, Jesus. We're not going anywhere, Jesus. We want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, Jesus. And I love this moment. I love this moment for what it is because in the midst of the challenge and the struggle of our faith, I love this moment that we can sometimes resonate with where we say, where else would we go, Jesus? For in spite of everything we're struggling with, you have the words of eternal life. And I also love this moment because we all know the rest of the story as well. That almost every single one of these disciples, listen to this, 
the ones who stayed eventually walked away. Some of them ran away for at least a little while. What would it ultimately take for each and every one of them to walk away from Jesus? What was their threshold? Was it a difference of opinion? Lack of security? Lack of safety? Lack of upward mobility? Too much sacrifice? Fear prompted by one specific kind of event? What if that thing happened? It did. And they left. Every one of them and perhaps every one of us will be confronted with something like that in our lives. And every one of them and perhaps every one of us will consider walking or running away from Jesus at some point in our lives. And right here in John 6, in response to that, in response to the prospect of that happening in each one of our lives, Jesus offers this beautiful, reassuring response. You may have missed it in the, ritz, in the midst of all the reading. I will lose none the Father has given to me. Meaning, as you consider what it would take for you to walk away from Jesus, what would it take for Jesus to walk away from you? Disobedience? Fear? Doubt? You getting fed up because of something and just walking away? What if that happened? Then that thing happened. Here's the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of things that might cause you to walk away from Jesus, but there is nothing that you could ever say or do that would cause Jesus to walk away from you. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life Neither the present nor the future, neither angels nor demons nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, that's not truthiness, that's gospel truth. And thousands upon thousands of times in our lives, that truth, Christ's unwavering and unrelenting love for you and for all of us is something we can all be thankful for, even when we struggle to believe it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.